We are glad you joined us today. Harrison Church is constantly being blessed with its members and volunteers who are devoted to experiencing and serving God. If you wish to get involved, please visit us online at harrisonchurch.org and click on the Get Involved tab for more. Thank you again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this service of worship, this first Sunday of Lent. I am glad that you are here. If you're visiting with us, my name is Shane. I'm one of the pastors here at Harrison Church. I want to catch you up on where we've been. I just ended a series on some of the questions that this congregation had asked, and last week was a doozy. We're not going to be talking about hell today. Uh, that was last week, and uh, now we really are, as Kyle has said and set up for us, you know, this season of Lent. This is really the time of year when the church kind of calls the faithful to kind of be in a deeper uh, form of prayer, to pray a little bit deeper than we have. And so what I thought we would do over these next six Sundays, there's six Sundays in Lent, is that we would talk about prayer and that we would talk uh, uh, particularly about the Lord's Prayer. Now, we don't usually say the Lord's Prayer in here. We will a little bit later. And so what I thought we would do, it might be an interesting exercise, we'll see. I don't know how it's going to go, but that we could kind of break down the Lord's Prayer, you know, the lines and the petitions, and then we can kind of ask, like, what are we really praying? When we pray the words that Jesus taught us. Now, the Lord's Prayer shows up in two Gospels, Matthew and Luke. They're both a little bit different. And we make our own little modifications to the Lord's Prayer, but nah, that's irrelevant. So let's, uh, let's begin today. This is a reflection for the next six Sundays in the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of Matthew, the sixth chapter. This will be a part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to be picking up in verse 5 of chapter 6. And I'm going to invite you to stand as you are able for the reading of the Gospel. See what our Lord has to say. And Jesus said, Whenever you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly I tell you that they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and Pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray, then, in this way. Notice the phrase, pray in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Notice in Matthew's, it's debts. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. And then Jesus says this, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you also. But if you do not forgive others... Neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Well, this is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. All right, let's see the Lord's Prayer. You know, on the topic of prayer itself, I have to tell you, uh, over my years of ministry, uh, this may be the most asked question that I've I've received. It's like, you know, how am I supposed to pray? People are really curious about that. Shane, do you have any advice about prayer? And what I've noticed is that a lot of people, maybe you're one of them, I used to be like this, still am to a degree, a lot of people get caught up on the techniques. Like, okay, what am I supposed to do here? Uh, do I pray with my eyes open? Do I pray with my eyes closed? Do I pray out loud? Do I pray in silence? Do I pray kneeling? 
My back hurts. I can't really kneel today. Do I pray kneeling? Do I pray standing? We get called up into all of these, you know, the, these techniques. You know, what am I supposed to do here? What am I supposed to do there? You know, what is the best way of praying? Now, um, maybe I've shared with you the one way of praying that's been a huge influence on my life. And if you want to know how I pray, I often pray like this. It's called in the Eastern Orthodox tradition, not Protestant, not Catholic, but Eastern Orthodox, it's called the Jesus Prayer. Some of you are familiar with the Jesus Prayer. There's a few of you that are. All it is is a single sentence that you say to yourself over and over and over again. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You could be driving as long as you're paying attention. You can be taking care of your children. But it's one sentence. And all you do is you just reflect over and over all day long. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Over and over again. Or you just take one word. There are days when I will say out loud, I will say in silence, I'll just say, Jesus, Jesus. I'm just thinking that as I'm driving, as I'm working on the sermon, as I'm Jesus. Or maybe I'll just say, mercy, mercy. We're just saying one word at a time, you know, and so that's one of the things that we do. I will tell you, though, don't get so caught up in the technique, right? We get so caught up in the techniques, you know, the how, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to look like when we pray? And based on our lesson today, and this is where we're kind of going to go, is that Jesus didn't care so much about the technique. What Jesus cared about was the content of our prayers. The, the what, not the how, but, but the what of our prayer. What are we praying about? What's the content of our prayers look like? This is the things that Jesus cared about. And, and Jesus is preaching this sermon. He's really kind of funny. You know, he says, now, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the clergy when they pray. They just go on and on and on and on. He says, when you pray, you, I mean, your Father in heaven already knows what you need before you, you ask. And then Jesus says, whenever you pray, and notice Jesus says, when you pray. So Jesus expects us to pray, like when you pray. It doesn't say if, but when. He says, I want you to pray in this way. And then he gives us what we now know as the Lord's Prayer. Now, I want you to think about that, the phrase that I pointed out, pray in this way. So the Lord's Prayer, this prayer that Jesus taught us in a way, is, is kind of a, a template, uh, kind of a model, uh, a, a yeah, pattern of how we are supposed to pray. Now, most of the time in the churches when we pray the prayer, when we're with other people, we will say the whole thing as it exists, and we're going to do that a little bit later. Nothing wrong with that. But really what Jesus is saying is that your prayers should be like this. It's your prayers, the content of your prayer, kind of following the Lord's Prayer here. And the reason we call it the Lord's Prayer is because when we pray like this, we are actually praying the way Jesus prayed. This is our invitation to begin to pray the way Jesus himself prayed. That's kind of cool to think about. And the first thing that will strike you if you really study the Lord's Prayer is notice what the focus of the Lord's Prayer is. What's the focus? It's God. Jesus' prayers were about God. At the Lord's Prayer, your name, your will, your kingdom. Some of us uh, append that little phrase. They don't do this in the Catholic Church, but yours be the power, yours be the kingdom and the glory forever. It's always about God. Now, now you contrast this prayer of Jesus's with how I've often prayed, how we've often prayed. Sometimes our prayers aren't about God. Who are they about? They're about us. 
Oh, Lord, my will, uh, my kingdom, uh, here's what I want best for me. Uh, this is what I am hoping for. Oh, God, you're a tool, and, and I'm going to use you to get what I want. So much of our prayers can be just about us. And so really, there are two kinds of prayers. There's prayer, like over here, prayer, general prayer. Anybody can say this prayer. There's prayer. But then over here, there's another kind of prayer, and it's the prayer in the name of Jesus. And you've got to be a Christian to pray in the name of Jesus. And when you pray in the name of Jesus, what you want to do is you want to match who Jesus is with what you ought to be caring about. Right? What Jesus cared about God and the things of God. So when you pray in the name of Jesus, that's a unique way of praying got to be a Christian, but are we praying in a way that we're matching who Jesus is and the things of God and the things that God cared about? Now, <laughs> I will be, this is, Kyle said, Lent's about confession. Here's my confession to you. If I were to review a lot of my prayers through my life, they were what Kyle said in his prayer, really self-centered prayers, all about me. You know, there was a time in my life and I, my prayers would sound like, uh, oh, Lord, you know, make her check. Yes, I like you box, you know, can you do that? And, I did that in seminary, you know, to Christy. She said yes. I was like, yeah, right, right, yeah. You know, or, or Lord, help me ace the exam. Or, you know, Lord, help my team win. And he answered my prayer last night, you know, last night, Carolina. You know, oh, Lord, help me do all this. It's, <laughs> you know, it's very much about, about me. Now, as a pastor, and I'm being serious here, you know, it's a great privilege of mine and really one of my honors is that uh, a lot of people will ask me their prayer requests or they will submit to me their prayer requests. I take this, I mean, this is a big deal because some people, they're sharing their heart. And I will tell you, 99% of all the prayer requests I've ever seen, uh, I've ever received over the last 13, 14 years have been very, what we would call like the kinds of prayers that Jesus would endorse. Yeah, they're usually about someone else. They're, they're about someone who's dying or someone who's in a health crisis or whatever crisis, you know, and, and that's good because if you're going to pray for people like that, you're, you're, being, right, you're being called out of yourself. That's a good kind of prayer, but about 1%, about 1% of all the prayer requests that I get, I don't know how to put this, they, they, they would not pass the Jesus prayer test. Um. You know, I've had people say to me, uh, hey, Shane, pray that I get the deal done and that I make a ton of money on my house. I'm thinking, oh, it's a better prayer to say, what are you going to do with the money when you get it? Uh, or I've had someone say, Shane, will you pray that, that, that the car that I'm hoping to buy will actually be on the lot tomorrow when I get the loan goes through? And I'm, I'm like, ooh, you know, uh, I, I, I don't think this is on Jesus' to-do list. But you can pray them. You can pray them. Uh, but these are the kinds of prayers that I'm going <laughs> to call the spam folder kinds of prayers. See, you laugh. They didn't laugh at 8.30 when I said that. <laughs> you know, you got email, you got Jesus. He's got a spam box. And uh, sometimes we can, you can offer up your prayer. You can send them to the Lord, you know. But I think they might land in Jesus' spam folder. And uh, he's going to hit delete. So, so I mean, there, there are some prayers that... I just don't know if Jesus quite has much concerns about, uh, unless we make them about God. See, as Christians, we got to think about this. We, we're the ones who are supposed to pray in the name of Jesus. And we really want to make sure that what we're praying matches the way Jesus prayed and matches what Jesus cared about. And he cared about the things of God. And in, and in Jesus, in our lesson, he says, when you pray, I want you to say this. I want you to say, our Father, 
And, and we're going to just talk about those two words for the remainder of our time today. And when you pray, I want you to say, Our Father. You could say, Almighty God. You could say, Most merciful, gracious God. You could say that. We say that sometimes. Oh, Holy One. But you know, sometimes those are very vague expressions, right? Oh, Holy One. But Jesus says, no, when you pray, you know, don't think of God as this vague kind of abstraction that's somewhere up there that even an agnostic can concede exists. He says, when you pray, I want you to call God what? Father. Boy, that's not vague. Uh, that's very specific. I mean, you're, you're coming to God on, on very intimate terms. Now, I, I do realize, let's kind of call out the elephant in the room. I do realize that there are some people, even among us, and certainly I've dealt with over, my, over the years of my ministry, for whom the word Father just conjures up all kinds of just negative images. Okay, just very negative. There's a layperson who uh, works, in our, uh, works for a church or serves on behalf of the church uncompensated. And uh, one of the things that he does is uh, he leads a lot of small groups throughout the year. He will, like, lead a retreat. Uh, he's a retreat leader, and he can lead some of this. And I remember, this is several years ago, I asked him, I said, when you get a group of people together in the room, especially when they're strangers, how do you get them to open up? Because sometimes when we're in a room, people we don't know, our conversations can be kind of superficial, where we're just talking about the game and not really about real stuff. And, uh, and I asked him, you know, how do you do this? What, how do you get them to open up? And he says, you know... He says, whenever you get a group of people in the room, all you've got to say to them is, all right, group, tell me about the relationship you have with your father. And he says, you watch them open up, especially guys. Tell me about the relationship you have with your father. And, you know, I'm a dad, I, and I, I think about this all the time, about how formative my life is for my children. And I think about, you know, most of you know, I had a very strange relationship with my father. But what Jesus says here doesn't really bother me at all because... What Jesus is saying is that the, 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 the God, that, that God, he wants you to call him Father. He is, as others have said, this Father to whom we cry out. Right? He, he is the standard by which we judge all other fathers. Right? He's the standard by which we judge all fathers, even parents. Right? I mean, Jesus says that this Father is the one who just cares so much about you. This is a Father who knows the number of, of hairs you have on your head you know, this is a God, Jesus said, who is, this father's like, like a hen who longs to gather her chicks under her wings. And you notice, Jesus did not have any reservations using feminine terms to talk about God the Father. So we're not worshiping a man, a male in the sky. You know, we, we're, not, we're not worshiping the very stern, that kind of stereotypical image of the dad. You know, the very stern, impossible to please, and, and very tough way. What Jesus is saying is that, man, this is, this is a father who adores you. You know, when a father's at their best, they adore their children. They just adore them. And, and Jesus is saying, this, this God, your father is like this for you. Call him father. He adores you. That's who he is. I mean, Jesus, the only way and the only reason that you and I can actually call God father is because Jesus called God father. So what Jesus is doing in the Lord's Prayer is he's inviting us into the same kind of intimate relationship that he had with God. We can only call God Father because of the Son. That's it. One of my favorite verses in the, uh, in the New Testament comes from the letter to Galatians. And Paul says in the letter to Galatians, uh, he says that the Spirit of the Son, 
has entered our hearts crying, Abba, Father. You ever heard that verse? The Spirit of the Son has entered our hearts crying, Abba, Father. And you know that word, Abba, is a Jewish colloquial expression. It's still in use today. Does anybody know what Abba means? Translated? Daddy. Okay. Daddy. You know, there's a neighbor uh, of ours lives just behind us in the backyard, and uh, the neighbor just moved in, and the father is Jewish, and there's two little boys, and they've befriended my son, and they're out, out all the time with their lightsabers and everything. It's a lot of fun, but uh, their father's Jewish, and you will catch them sometimes when the father comes outside, and they will say, Abba, Abba, and you know, that's actually been very instructive for me. Because Abba is the term of a child. You know, sometimes remember your parents, when they were with their parents, they would say daddy. And I was like, oh, wow, wow. You know, so what's going on, though, is that when we, when we call out to God, Father, Abba, Daddy, we are in that moment becoming like little children. You know, and little children acknowledge that they don't know things. They, they know that they're vulnerable. They know that they need help. In other words, you can't pray the Lord's Prayer rightly if you think of yourself as a very sophisticated, put-together adult. See, when you say our Father, what you're saying is, is I, I, like a child, I, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> I need help. You know, that's, that's what you're saying. And so, but we, we call out to Abba, Daddy, a child's term. And we do this in trust because we know that the Father is for us and who adores us as His children. Hey, call God Father, not just Holy One, but Father. And, of course, you can't say Father until you say the first word in the Lord's Prayer, which is what? Our. <laughs> I mean, think about that. You can't call God Father until you first say Our. Notice Jesus says you can't say My Father, My God. You can't call upon this God in the singular. you got to call on this God in the what? In the plural, whoa, have we thought about this? You know, we love to talk about our faith story. You know, it's, it's about uh, my faith and uh, God and me and Jesus and me and my personal relationship with God. It's always about us. You know, or, or somebody will say, uh, this, is a, this is a popular one now, I am spiritual but not religious. I know what that means now. It's code. It is code for, I do the God thing on my own. Well, you might think you're doing the God thing on your own, but it's probably not the God of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is pretty clear. You can't have God by yourself. When you call upon this God, you have got to say, our. You know, Peter, uh, Peter's story Peter's story was a bishop in the United Methodist Church, but in South Africa, and he was there during the apartheid regime. He was one of my professors in seminary. He was one of my wife's professors. Man, he was wonderful. He preached a sermon one day, and he said something like this. He said, go ahead. Go ahead and, and invite Jesus into your heart. Go ahead and make Jesus your personal Savior. He says, but let me warn you, sooner or later, Jesus is going to say, can I bring over my friends because i got lots of friends I want to bring into your heart, too. I mean, you think about it. 
We say, our Father. We cannot call upon God on our own. There are other people who've got to be with us. And when we say, our Father, this presents a real challenge to our desire to split God off from other people. You know, the thing about the human species is that we are so tribalistic. Man, we love our tribes. Man, we got little camps everywhere. We got camps, camps, divisions, little camps, you know, ideological camps, political camps, religious camps, all these little camps that we love. And then what happens is that we begin to think that whatever truth is, it's whatever I agree with. And uh, therefore, God is the God on my side. Like, our Father means the God who looks at things the way my little camp looks at things. This is dangerous. I mean, was it Abraham Lincoln in his second inaugural address when he was talking about the North and the South? And he says, both sides pray to the same God. Both sides read the same Bible. And both sides invoke God's aid against the other. And then Abraham Lincoln says, this cannot stand. This cannot stand. You know, maybe the most important question I can get you to think about right now It's a simple question, but I'm going to ask it, and I want you to think about it, and it's this. When you say, our Father, who's in your hour? Who's in your hour? Oh, you are. Maybe another way to put it is, who's not in your hour? Kind of reminds me of that. That joke about, tell me about your image of heaven, and nobody ever tells, uh, gives you an image of heaven with people in it. It's always like me and somebody else. Like, where are the people? But where, where, who's in your hour? Who's not? You know, Jesus says when you pray, our Father, you've got to finish the sentence. You've got to say, our Father who art in heaven, because you've got to say it in the King James English. You can't say it any other way. <laughs> our Father who art in heaven. You know, when I thought about that expression, you know what that means? What we're really saying is our God who are in no way tied down to the categories and the identities and the lines that we create. God's in heaven. He's not down here. Like this, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not stuck into the categories that we have created on earth. So when you say our, I, I have to ask you, who, who's in your hour? Who's not in your hour? I mean, do you realize, <laughs> do you realize what you're saying when you say our father? I mean, it would be so convenient, wouldn't it, if we could say our father who art a Protestant, our Father who art a Methodist, our Father who art a liberal or a conservative or a member of the World Council of Churches and NAFTA. We can't say that. Do you really realize, think about this, what you are saying when you pray, Our Father. You are in that instant. You are forfeiting your task of drawing the lines the way you want to draw them. There is no gerrymandering in the kingdom of God. You cannot draw the lines in the kingdom of God so you can include all the people you want in there and choose all who you want in there inside your little jurisdiction. Or maybe I should say it in the words of one of my great teachers. When you say, our Father who art in heaven, you have lost the right to choose who will be your brother or your sister. When you say, our Father in heaven, you have lost the right to choose who will be your brother 
or your sister. See, that's why I ask you, who's in your hour? You know, sometimes we, when you go, go home and do this, this is my assignment to you. When you go home, I want you to reflect a little bit on the 12 disciples that Jesus called. You know, I remember thinking that they were all like the same, like they were homogenous. They were all kind of like on the same page. But really, if you think about it, Jesus called zealots. He called tax collectors. He called homemakers. He called fishermen. He called sectarians who believed that you should live well away. I mean, all these different people. Can you imagine how interesting the dinners would have been with that kind of group? They weren't the same. He called people from different perspectives, different walks of life. But what he tried to show them is he tried to expand the boundaries of their hour, the O-U-R. This matters. You know, when you, some of you have siblings, you can't choose who your brother and sister is. Sometimes growing up, you wish you could have. You can't choose who's going to be the brother and sister in your family. That's something given to you. And you cannot choose who your brother and sister is going to be in the kingdom of this father either. Because if you say our father, you can't choose who's going to be the brother or the sisters. But one thing that families can do, though, is that they can still eat together. (laughs) Sometimes that's interesting, too. I've told you, when my sister and I get together for Thanksgiving, there's not a single thing under the face of the sun that we agree on. But we can still eat together. She's still my sister. I'm still her brother. She may be wrong about everything, (laughs) but she's still my sister. We don't get to choose who our brother and sister is. They're given to us. And so here we are. We come to the table, and we're called to eat together. And you can't stop anybody from coming. This is our Father's table. The Father, the Son, who invites us to come. So when you pray, call God Father. He loves you. He adores you. But it's our Father. We've lost the right to choose who our brothers and sisters will be. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Harrison Church. To stay connected to Harrison Happenings, please follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Harrison UMC or online at harrisonchurch.org.